welcome to Razzle Frat. We're back to talk books, coffee, pop culture, and more. I'm the eclectic earth witch known as Lila. And I'm the contemporary Catwoman. I'm Ashton. How are you doing? It's been a full month since we talked, and we're talking kind of late this month, right? We are, yeah, I feel like we are. Yeah, it's been crazy. I last pod talked about I was going to start my job. Now I've started my job. And it's a full-time job and a half, basically. <laughs> um, but I really, really love it. Um, but it is, like, wearing me the fuck out. Um, so I've had, like, time, little time to do anything else other than uh, this job. But it's been a lot of fun. And next week, I get to go home for Christmas and see my mom and my sister. Um, so I'm excited for that break. And last weekend, I got a break, too. My roommate and I were in the studio audience at SNL. And it was so much fun. We got to see Billie Eilish live. I know. When I saw that she was going to be the, like, host and the musical guest, I was so crazy jealous. I was, I literally just, like, screamed the whole night. I don't know how I still have a voice, but my poor roommate was, like, <laughs> I was just, like, dragging her arm on. I was like, oh, my God, Billie Eilish. Um, so it was so much fun. So at least there's that. Um, but, yeah, how have you been? What's up with you? Well, I'm better now that we have um, cocktails in front of us. Yes. Um, I made Cosmos because it's Friday night, a hot Friday night in the city with two hey. city gals. <laughs> Thai um, food and Cosmos. Yeah, because um, the world is going to hell in a handbasket mm-hmm. currently again. And we are just being extra safe and cautious and just fueling our bookworm minds. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to meet up with me. Absolutely. Um, Much needed. I am wrapping up with my year. I'm somewhat still ambitious and tacking on more creative projects even though I have like so many under my belt on top of work and school so I'm not really sure what's wrong with me (laughs) but um, you're just a creative person I guess so I think I'm busy I'd like to be busy I do I think if I'm not suffering I don't think I'm living (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know is that like a Tolstoy quote quote somewhere it probably Um, is but I also feel like that's an accurate depiction of your life it really it really is. I thrive on being stressed, which is, which is probably you not healthy. Thriving. But <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I am thriving in a way. Um, my <laughs> voice is a little weird because I had the flu. I did not have COVID. I tested negative, thankfully, but I had the flu, and so I've kind of lost my voice. I have a horrible, horrible wheezing smoker's cough, but like I'm just gonna roll with it because sometimes it makes my voice sound really raspy, and I like. <laughs> think I'm like a sultry like lounge singer which by far nowhere near what I actually am but um speaking of thriving let's talk about this new tv show that I got you hooked on and I'm yes. so glad that I got you hooked on it because I'm hooked on it and I need someone to talk about with it is it's amazing it's so good which figures because it's Mindy Kaling it's her new HBO Max series the sex lives of college girls it's fucking amazing honestly I wish, like, not to, you know, put down my college freshman roommate who just slept a lot and had her boyfriend over, like, every day. Um, I wish I had roommates like these girls. They are so fun and, like, uplifting and just, like, there and, like, I mean. Yeah. And sometimes I do wish I went to a campus like that. Mm -hmm. I went to a city campus in Philly. Which, I mean, served its purpose, and it was probably good for me, what I yeah. needed at the time, but I'm watching this show, and I'm like, I want to go back to college. Even though you're, like, in a graduate program. <laughs> yeah, but it's not 
not the same. Like, no, I literally, not. I work 24-7, and, like, I see all these kids just milling around and complaining about, like, midterms and finals. Yeah. I'm like, you like little... Like, party. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you little sluts. Like, why can't I you just <laughs> understand no. that when you become an adult, it's hard? <laughs> yeah. I know. It's so good, though. It's, like, heartwarming, funny. Yeah, I really hated my freshman roommates in college, and I wish that I had girls like these because I did not get along with my freshman roommates and all these girls are so cool i think i relate to kimberly the most really yeah the, the one from arizona the one who, from arizona who's like a complete nerd and, and socially very, awkward very ignorant about everyone i don't relate to that part of her <laughs> but i relate to her being like a total square oh. at heart what, <laughs> like, epi- what episode are you on i'm on i'm about to start six so i'm like l- just halfway through okay yeah yeah I I probably relate to her, like, kind of the nerdy part, but, like, the one that just is kind of doing her own thing and very laid back about school or whatever, in a way that she still carries, is yeah. Whitney, and I think I relate yeah. to Whitney more, although I don't have, like, a famous senator as a mother or anything like that. But you that. are athletic like her, and you have, like, that kind of drive. Too. I did not do any sports. <laughs> no, but you're, you, like, like to work out and be active, is what I mean. Yeah, that's true. But I also like Thai um, food, so I don't have the banging bod that she does, but, you know. But goals. then you don't get to eat Thai food, so are you really living? <laughs> I mean, you can eat Thai food if you work out. It's all about balance. Fair, fair. I just eat Thai food on a larger scale than <laughs> the balance is not equal in that one um it's like i want to be bella i'm not a bella it's like I oh she's be so a, outgoing it's like i want to be a samantha i know i'm not a samantha you want to be a samantha like she just like gives zero fucks and is just like so confident in herself and her body oh my god and like i mean i don't know i like miranda i think i'm a mix between charlotte and miranda yeah. But, like, I love Samantha, and she's just, like, the fun, outgoing one, and that's how Bella, I feel like, is. I think and you're, like, a 60-40. Like, a 60 Charlotte and a 40 Miranda. I'll take that. Because, like, you come off as a Charlotte, but when people know you, you've got that Miranda bite to you. I do, yeah. But I'm definitely, like, basic white bitch once, like, the picture-perfect life. Oh, really? Not, like, all the time, but, like, I feel like that is how I come across and, like, how a lot of times, like, I, like... What I would not turn down living on the Upper East Side with my, you know, husband and kid and, and having that kind of Harry. Harry. <laughs> but anyway, we've gotten on to a completely yeah. different show. Yeah, yeah, No, um, I feel you. I mean, but it's relevant and Just Like That just came out, but I haven't watched it yet because I've been, like, sick and, like, I know I need to sit down with, like, a Cosmo when I do and I wasn't, like, prepared to do that. Like, this is my first Cosmo in a couple weeks and I know that sounds really cliche, but, like, I actually like the drink, so, mm-hmm. like, it's my thing. Yeah. But I will get to it. I just have to mentally prepare yeah. to go back to that world. Yeah, which I I'm haven't yet, but... all set for. So, yeah. but let's we can talk about movies and TV all the time. But let's move to books because that's yes. what Razzle Frat is mostly about. I think. Yes, um, it's supposed to be anyway. Supposed to be. Yeah. So, um, do you want to start off with what you've been reading this month in the wintry December that is? what we're surrounded by, even though it's, like, 60 degrees right now. Yeah. I, so, like I said, I've been so busy with my job. I feel like any free time I have, I literally just want to sleep or, like, watch mindless TV. I haven't really been in, like, a reading mindset. Not because I don't want to read, but, like, I'll sit down to read and fall asleep. You know, like, I can't retain information. Mm -hmm. Um, So I read something really mindless but nostalgic, Twilight. I reread it. (laughs) And, oh, my God. Um, You guys, like, it is... 
so different than the movie. Did you read the book or just or the whole series? Just I just read the first one and part of the, the second one. Yes, the apple. Um, <laughs> but I forgot how different it was from the movie because I've seen the movie, no joke, probably like. A hundred times. I mean, I saw it in theaters, no shame. I saw it in theaters, and I watch it, like, all the time. Not all, but, like, you know, I've seen it a lot. I watch it a lot, yeah. It's, it's very nostalgic and mindless to put on in the background, um, and the soundtrack slaps. Yes, um, that's why my so, mom watches it. She yeah. puts it on in the background, she loves the soundtrack. It's a, it's got a great I mean, you soundtrack. You can't go wrong with Iron and Wine. So, I read, yeah, I read the book and loved being back in that world, and I started New Moon. I don't know if I'm going to continue, because um, I have other things I want to read, but that's been, like, the only book I've been able to get through mm-hmm. um, this month. But, to be fair, it's, like, 550 pages, so it's a, it's a little chonky. Chonky. Um, it's a little chonker. Yeah, but I remember, like, glancing back through it a couple years ago, like, just because I was debating if I was mm-hmm. selling it to, like, a garage mm-hmm. sale, and I was like, this is awful writing. It is. It's horrible there's like so many there's like one point where Bella's in the hospital and Which Edward time? like I know the, the end and, El, and Edward leans down to kiss her and she says the like heart monitor flat lines when Edward kisses her and I was like no that's so bad his kisses <laughs> kill me yeah um and it's just like uh but um it was so much fun uh to read there were a lot of like subplots and things I forgot about so yeah I had a lot of fun with it, yeah. Ironically, I watched the movie not too long ago because mm-hmm. I wanted to put something on I could fall asleep to. Yeah. And I ended up not falling asleep and watching the whole thing and just, like, watching the ridiculousness of it. And I realized it's not the actor's faults that no. they were given such terrible material. I'm it, sorry, it, Stephanie it, Meyer. I know you're richer than me and you're going to live out your days much better than I ever will. But, but like. Ugh. It's terrible, but it's also amazing. It's like amazingly terrible. I don't know. It's so nostalgic. Yeah, it's for like me. a it's a tr- it's like a train crash. Yeah. You can't look away. And she like revolutionized YA. You know, like she really did. Like, I guess so. I thought that was like Harry Potter. I mean, Harry Potter did, but I feel like well, she did start the vampire trend. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like it was like a, a shift anyway. Yeah. And I you you know I used to work at the agency that discovered Twilight. Like an intern found Twilight. And if she hadn't found Twilight, we wouldn't know that, you know, that this existed in Stephanie Meyer's head. So I'm very grateful to that intern, whoever you are. <laughs> Thank you for bringing you, us intern. a wonderful world of Twilight. Interns rule. Pay them more. Yes. Um, or pay them in general. Yes. I've agreed. done unpaid, which was mm-hmm. terrible for my savings account. Yes. Um, okay. So I read The Mothers by Britt Bennett. And ironically, I read this after I've read The Vanishing Half because I read The Vanishing Half the, the year came out, 2020, right? 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly was dumb and thought that was her debut. And I was like, this author is amazing. This is her first book. And then, like, I did a, I went on a Zoom session actually with, not just me, but, like, I was part of for my school um, with Britt Bennett, her agent. So was it her agent and her uh, her editor and then the marketing uh, executive or whatever that worked on Vanishing Half, and I got to, like, learn about her as a writer mm-hmm. and her process, and the mother, she wrote, she, she wrote that for 10 years. It took her 10 years to write wow. that, and she ended up only really working on it when she was about to graduate her master's program and had no idea what she was gonna do, and she was like, let me just work on this, and it ended up getting picked up, and I'm so glad it did, because, I mean, I love The Vanishing Half. I think if I chose one of the two, I would choose The Vanishing Half, but, I mean, Britt Bennett obviously has a voice, and her writing is only getting better now that I've read the first book and the second book, because the first book is great. I mean, I, 
the second book I think is phenomenal in writing style and story and plotline and the way she weaves it all and narrates but the first one is impactful as well it's about um these it's about different women um I might not tell this correctly because I've read like seven books in between this um but I, <laughs> I read for writing my newsletter too so mm -hmm. I'm always and for my bookstagram so I'm always posting and working on that stuff and also I just love reading um but I think like the names are gonna escape me of the of the two characters but um she I think it's Nadia oh my god I can't go on record not knowing these names but it's whatever um my you mind is drawing did. a blank the Cosmo <laughs> kicked in um but anyway it starts from like teenage years to adulthood early adulthood early mid-20s and the main character she's dealing with the aftermath at like 17 of her her mother passing away um and her mother commits suicide so like she shot herself in the head and like uh in between the narrations of um the main character and then eventually her friend she basically um is brit when i'm talking about the brit bennett she um puts in the collective we narration mm -hmm. and that's the mothers mm -hmm. which are a group of older church ladies that know everything see everything have experienced everything and um they observe and reflect and they kind of judge um <laughs> but it's a lot of things being told by women's perspective and i really enjoy that because you get to experience young love and like all concepts of motherhood so she ends up the main character ends up going for an abortion with her boyfriend who was a bit older than her i think he was in college or something and uh she has to um so she ends up having a boyfriend who, with a boyfriend who is older than her and uh he's I think in community college or regular college or whatever, and he's working at like a serving place. And um, that kind of catapults the end of their relationship and her moving away for college and like her experiences sexually and intimately with men and just kind of figuring out who she is. And then reflecting on the fact that she's trying to figure out who her mother was and why her mother did that. And like she compares and contrasts all the time because her mother had her when she was 17 mm -hmm. and like she thinks that she's the reason her mother was so miserable mm -hmm. and like she's the cause of her mother's suicide because like she did the opposite of her mother and is seeing all the things that she's doing now that her mother couldn't mm -hmm. so it's like she's living the life her mother wanted or like and so she always thinks that she's the one that held her back and then the second half of the book you meet her friend Audrey Aubrey mm -hmm. Aubrey and uh, Aubrey wants nothing more. She has a darker past, but she wants nothing more like than the semi-normal life. She wants a husband. She wants a baby, and she's struggling to get pregnant. And like it's all interwoven with like the old boyfriend and then the mothers and um, the two friends and like how they want different things and they have to respect what each other wants. And it's just it's all different concepts of motherhood mm -hmm. in different ways. And I think it's explored very well. Mm -hmm. um, because there's no set ways. But I think it's a great debut novel. Um, I mean, Britt Bennett is a phenomenal writer, so I highly recommend picking her up. But um, 
Also, she's really funny on Instagram. <laughs> yeah? I don't yeah. follow her. I'll have she's to look. She's funny. She's on her stories all the time. Like, she's young. Yeah. She's like in she's her young. late 20s, yeah. right? Yeah, she's really funny. But um, anyway, speaking of motherhood, I think we should segue now into our book of the month that we read together. We did another one. Um, listeners, we are terrible at reading together. And yes. I will admit that I read this book in, a, in an entire day running up against the deadline because <laughs> I was waiting for it at the library because I didn't want to have to pay money because she's tight with money right now because of Christmas, Christmas. gifts yeah. and just rent um, and the end of the year and all that jazz. But we read... Claire Watkins, um, or Claire, Claire Vay Watkins, I'm sorry, um, I love you, but I've chosen darkness, and, um, so I'm just gonna briefly read you the, um, part of the flap description, which has, like, you know, a little bit, but, um, leaving behind her husband and their young daughter, a writer gets on a flight for a speaking engagement in Reno, not caring much besides a breast pump and a spiraling case of postpartum depression. Her temporary escape from domestic duties and an opportunity to reconnect with old friends mutates in an extended flight from the confines of marriage and motherhood and a seemingly bottomless descent into the past. Wow, what a mouthful. Yeah, that is so I know, I'm like out of breath just saying it. Um, but anyway, uh, do you want to kind of start out with what you want to talk about first? We each have like a couple points that we want. We don't want to give away the whole book. There will be spoilers because we're just notorious for that at this point. Yes. Because we are just so well known <laughs> in this space. <laughs> yes. um, I'll preface it by saying that the novel is told in flashbacks and in letters from her mother when her mother was younger in the 70s. Um, so we flip back and forth uh, quite a bit, and I know that you might disagree with me, but I really didn't like that structure. I, okay, I liked the structure. I didn't think it was executed very well. I feel like we got a ton from her mother of, like, pointless, like, chit-chat blabber, and that's time that we could have been spending with our main character, Claire, in the present, and I understand structurally that that's how it's supposed to go, and I understand, like, she's looking to her mother and she's there because she can't be in her present and you know um but I don't know I just wasn't really a fan of how quickly they jumped back and forth and how it didn't flow it didn't flow very well for me so that would be my first point I think yeah. is that it was a bit odd yeah I mean I don't fully love the the structure of it and how it flipped because I got lost a couple times and the letters didn't get introduced until about, like, a third of the way through. Yeah. So they felt, like, kind of odd mm -hmm. to be thrown in there. Yeah. But overall, I think I I didn't really care. I understood why they were there, like, their purpose, mm -hmm. per se. And, like, again, it the way it, it's structured is it actually moves backwards in time. So, like, you read it, you start reading it, and the mother is writing to the friend, I think it's her cousin. Yeah. And, um it's set in the 70s and she's 17 and then each next letter is a year af before that so she's getting younger and younger so you're getting to see her as a young girl yeah. essentially and I think what's interesting about that is we get these after we get the adult version of the mom that Claire experienced yeah. because we get Claire's personal experience with her own mother obviously yeah. and these letters 
to me at least, showed in a way the, I don't want to say like um, regression, but the way as she becomes more enamored with the concept of love and being loved and having a boyfriend and like because she mentions many men that she's seeing and it's the 70s and and I think it's interesting because you meet her in the first letter and she's driven she's like wants to be like a writer and like she works for a newspaper and she's 17 and she's really like pushing for straight A's even though she's like a stoner and all this stuff and um and she's like applying for colleges and things like that whereas like when you read the earlier ones later on she's just boy crazy and it's silly little trivial things so it's interesting to me in that you can see her go from a young girl who's boy crazy to a young woman who really wants her own independence and who wants like a career of some sort even if she's not really on a specific path or has an idea and and just wants to be a part of the world but i think what's important about that is to kind of see the degradation degradation gradation sorry of her as an adult mother later on in life when she becomes addicted to opioids and essentially overdoses um when claire is in college and i think it's so sad to be honest for lack of a better word that she went she made such strides as a young girl into a young woman and then still fell so far Mm -hmm. because of certain circumstances um environmental things and and ultimately i think she was just broken hearted because she did find the love of her life which was the father paul and um he passed from cancer so it was just like and very early like the girls were like five and four yeah they were young yeah her and her sister so it is it's interesting too like we do see her go from that like you said it's backwards so we actually see her kind of moving away from that instead of growing into it like we would if it were Mm -hmm. in normal chronological order it's not traditional yeah which is like how you said you know she falls from it which is i don't know it's interesting that she chose to start letters at 17 yeah i I feel like not fun that's not like it's an interesting choice and i I liked it It it's a cool style i think it was to kind of showcase like who her mother was essentially when she met the father yeah and then show that like what it took to get her there yeah because we saw what it took to get her to where claire knew her and how claire eventually had to say goodbye to her um so working backwards it was an interesting choice I'm not saying I was a fan of it, per se. I can just say I understand it. Yeah. And I could be lying to myself. <laughs> you know, when you think you understand something and you're really just yeah. dumb. And but, like, that's the cool thing, and not to sound cliche, but, like, that's the cool thing about, like, literary fiction and books is that you can literally make any meaning you want out of it, and you're like, right. Yeah, and I mean, it also, I think it plays into effect that, like, no offense, I don't think Claire Vay Watkins is listening to this, but her writing's <laughs> weird. Yeah. Like, she writes is. very weird and to the point where, like, sometimes I'm like, homegirl, what are you, what are you saying here? Like, I need to go back, there's no context, who is this person that you've just thrown in here, like, I'm supposed to know them for my whole life? Yeah, 
She and just. I do think mm. like that is it's disorienting, but I think that's also what I kind of liked. Like, I liked it's, it. It's disorienting, but it's like it also mirrors like how fragmented and disorienting motherhood is for new moms with depression. Right. You know. I I guess so. I mean, I I personally cannot attest to that. Well, so. I mean, I can't personally attest to it either, but I think like. Yeah. That that could be like part of. The fact that she doesn't feel like herself, so she yeah. can't write like a person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm Is that a bad observation? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, um, I'm just like. She is devoid of all humanity. I think. Um. I guess my point more is like the book kind of jumps around and it feels fragmented, but I think that's a product of her character feeling like that, and so the like writing yeah the character, which I always like, I which always is that's interesting, yeah. which is great. For when people like us are discussing it. Yes. But anybody that's just reading this, like, I remember, like, one of my, mm-hmm. my boss saw me reading it, um, and told me that they had picked it up, and were planning on reading it themselves, and they're asking me, and I'm like, well, it's kind of sad. It is kind of sad, and, and, and she was like, I don't know if I'm ready for a sad book right now, there's a lot going on. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's not necessarily sad, per se, but it's, it's also brutal yeah and honest in a way that i i almost wanted her to tone it yeah (laughs) Yeah, it like makes you uncomfortable yeah which is fine i'm all for cringy i just meant like is this necessary some of it felt like you know like know that scene where she's where her friends are asking her if she she's read the reviews Mm -hmm. in the book and um and they're like they called it what was that word that they described it as? Um, essentially overwriting. She was, like, oh, yeah. overdoing it. I feel like that was a personification of Claire V. Watkins. Mm-hmm. Because at times I'm like, oh, you get to the point. Yeah. Like, I love, I mean, for God's sakes, I read Dostoevsky and yeah. Tolstoy. I read all the crazy crap with the flowery stuff yeah. that takes, like, 12 pages to, like, say that I'm leaving my husband for you, but this also was, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was a storyline that I was just kind of, like, okay, move on, but I could just be me and my unsympathetic views sometimes towards women like this, which is not, like, good, um, it is what it is, yeah, but let's move on before I alienate, (laughs) literally, everyone in this podcast listening um so my first point is totally um you know literary genius i want to talk about the fact that she grows teeth in her vagina (laughs) um i learned from the internet and from you that this is a real thing and (laughs) so she like first notices a tooth when she's home before she leaves and abandons her baby and her husband um who have an open marriage which they didn't tell you they have an open marriage until like later in the book after you hear about all of her so trysts strange. and things yeah. which i'm thinking oh she just likes to cheat and then oh no they have an open marriage but um she likes to do that to you she kind of likes i think she really enjoys the shock value as a writer yeah. which is fine but it, it got irritating after a while yeah, it's 300 pages calm down yeah. um <laughs> but she notices the first tooth, and she's, like, gross fond of it, and then, like, masturbates with it, and, like, 
really enjoys it and like she's obviously not having sex with her husband because she's unhappy and whatever so it doesn't put a hindrance on it but later on she notices incongruence with her daughter growing in her own teeth she develops a ring of teeth in her vagina (laughs) and i just like i'm just picturing like a venus flytrap scenario i know that's not what it is me Um, too (laughs) but i'm just like i'm just seeing like you know in little shop of horrors when it's like feed me seymour like the alien plant that just Mm -hmm. like hungers for human blood anyway that's her vagina and um but i also like think I know this is a real thing, but I also feel like it also served as a metaphor or symbolism in in a way that she just was totally closed off and biting towards people and intimacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, she rejects every form of intimacy from her past. She yeah. rejects her husband. She rejects her daughter who she carried in her womb, which I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying yeah. um, she later rejects her friends from college who, like, know her the best she rejects her readers at book tours i mean she just wants something new and like she doesn't actually consider um sex i guess with a man um until she meets someone new like until she's met him before but until she tries something new with a different person that she's never been with before and that's only known her in the now and then she, like, loves it, and it's fine, and, like, his dick doesn't get carved up, so. Win-win. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, boo. But, you do yeah, you. what's your next point you want to discuss? Yeah, I think, um, I love the teeth and the vagina point. Um, <laughs> like, a very interesting choice, and just, like, case in point, she's, like, a weirdo, but we love her. Um, do we? So- well, I don't know that we love her, but she's definitely I would not be um, expanding her. our horizons. I would not be say. friends with her. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my second point is, and this kind of uh, goes to what we were talking about, she writes in the first person, so the, her name, the author's name is Claire Vay Watkins, and her narrator's name is Claire Vay Watkins, and so her parents' names are the same, and her name's the same, and so it's like autobiographical fiction um which I haven't read a lot of and I think is a really cool genre um she changes the name of her husband though right I think she changes the name of her husband but like her name and like her parents names I think are the same um like she's definitely like at the same time like one with her narrator and separate from her like she's got like some major distinctions from her character but like obviously it's meant to be her in a way and so I think that that's really interesting like blurring that line a lot of authors like don't like when people say like your writing is like based off of your experience and you know your writing is based on your life Mm. and they reject that notion and she's just like openly embracing it and playing with it Mm. and like working through her own shit in real life as claire in the book works through shit and i think that that's really cool i don't know i'm like i'm a fan and you can speak more to this but like her dad in the book ran in the same circle. It was, like, Charles Manson, Charles Manson's, like, right-hand man, and that was true in real life, so, um, like, I don't know, I think, like, she's always got, obviously got a lot she's working through, and I think that it's, like, a really interesting way in. Yeah, um, yeah, Paul Watkins, who's the father, he actually was part of the Manson family, um, and I read, I read last year, I want to say, uh, Days Are Blurs, 
I read Helter Skelter, which is the um, book written by the lawyer who represented um, the people uh, the people who testified, the prosecutor against mm-hmm. Charles Manson uh, for the Tate and Le- Tate Lee, uh, Lee LaBianca, La thank you, and the Sharon Tate murders, um, and there was another one, my mind is growing blank, but Paul essentially had to go recruit girls, young girls, um, to go live on Spawn Ranch and out in the desert and essentially orgy and, and serve Charles Manson mm-hmm. in a way, um, and he was very much attuned to Manson's philosophy at the time. I mean, it developed Manson, I think, from from biographies and, and you know, narratives and just speculation was a form of sociopath in that and and, and he was he was manipulative in that like he could really gather a following and like I mean, Ted Bundy had a girlfriend, so yeah. um <laughs> but Anyways, Paul fell under that spell when he was a teenager, essentially, into his early 20s, I want to say. Honestly, he was 17, I think, when he met him, so he was probably at least mm-hmm. 20 um, and into 25 throughout the whole co- course of the murders slash uh, trials. And so um, what she's talking about with, like, her relations with her dad and everything and just um the fact that it did happen in real life and that she had to grow up at the author and the narrator in the book um just kind of like a test so that you can tell that this is based off her own observations and probably her own feelings and certain things and I think that's interesting um as a writer to do because a lot of people are like write what you know and she really did. Yeah. Um, Maybe she took it too far. <laughs> right. Sharing too much information. But she has an interesting life. She had an interesting past. And why not write about it? You know, she's already written other books and that were published. So this was a new adventure for her. And every writer, I guess, is, is trying to challenge himself in a way. And what it reminded me of, um, that choice, was ironically, he was mentioned in the book, but the author David Sedaris. So he writes satirical uh, memoir es- essays, mm-hmm. but they're almost all based on aspects of his life and his past and his relationships with his family and his partner, I think. Um, I don't think they're married. Um, and they basically, you you can't always, unless you research it later, which who has the time? Um, you can't always distinguish fact from fiction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I kind of like that. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, where does reality start mm-hmm. or end? And um, for me, who lives in a dream world, like, 99% of the time anyway, I kind of like that. I mean, yeah. when a story is so ridiculous and mystical and out there, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this is based yeah. on things or ideas or whatever. When it's like based in reality it almost is more impactful because it's like okay did this really happen like is this really that ludicrous like did did she really like live out in the desert with a bunch of teacup pigs yeah like (laughs) you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like you you start to question and you're like okay people out here really do this Mm -hmm. like living life on the edge essentially or whatever not that edgy but you know what I mean yeah 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 so 
I really enjoyed that aspect of her writing and I think that that brings me perfectly into the next point I wanted to talk about with was her reversal of a trajectory that her father had so her father moved out to the desert at 17 met Manson fell down that rabbit hole and then slowly climbed himself out and eventually I'm skipping over a lot because read the book if you want to know everything Um, meets the mom, mm-hmm. settles down in the desert, you know, like, suburbia. Um, just kidding, it's not suburbia. They lived in the desert. Um, <laughs> but married... Were they married? They were married. They were married. I think so. Whatever. Um, and had two daughters, but then the dad was diagnosed with cancer, passed away by the time Claire was five, and her younger sister was four. So... He ended his life in that idyllic situation of a family and love and mm-hmm. stability uh, on their own terms. Whereas Claire starts out the book having all of that. Like, she she grew up, essentially, I, well, I feel like hers was kind of like a circle. But yeah. So she grew up, or his was too, because I think he had, oh, okay, so they're two reverse circles, because he had, like, the, the suburban family, I think, in the beginning. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, like, ran away, or... Mm-hmm. He dropped out of school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, theirs was a reverse circle, so... I don't know what that means. Like a Venn diagram? Um, so... Right, like, counterclockwise. And clockwise. Oh, thank you. That's starts, smarter than what I she said. She starts and ends in the <laughs> desert, and he starts and ends in, like... Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Me. That's what I'm trying to say. And I thought that was interesting that she... She runs so far from what she grew up with, and... And the instability and the craziness of her childhood and young adult life. And she strives so hard to get to the university and career stage. And eventually, you know, got the giant house with the husband and the kid and the money. Mm-hmm. And she leaves all that to go back to the desert. And I think that's fascinating because it's like, are we products of our environment growing up mm-hmm. in a way? Like, am I, please shoot me if I try to run back to... Frickin' New Jersey. Um, <laughs> Aren't you going tomorrow? <sighs> no, I'm not. Oh, well, technically I am for a baby shower. But anyway, you, <laughs> um, you got me there. But yeah, I just think that was... I think that was a nice little thing yeah. to do. I think it's interesting, and especially because... She does a similar thing with the mom. Like, the reversal, right? Like, everything's kind of... like. They're all kind of going in different directions. Like, I don't know, which is what makes the book confusing and I think really interesting. Right. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about the ending? I, I think the ending kind of was wrapped up too nicely Mm -hmm. for me. It just kind of seemed like, and again, spoilers ahead, like we mentioned, like, she finds herself in the desert and then, like, her husband and baby come and join her and... But, like, she doesn't... I don't know if they live together, though. That, that I was also confused about that. But, like, it definitely seems like... I don't know. It, it just wasn't like a... It was very it didn't unexpected. Track. Yeah, it didn't, yeah, it didn't track with the unconventionality of the whole book. Yeah. I... Yeah, I wasn't a fan. I wasn't like, wow, okay, like, I'm... Like, I, that was interesting and, like, makes you think. The ending was very unsatisfactory. Yes. I think when you, and when you say it like that, it's like, is she required to make us think? I mean, the whole book made me think. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. You know, like, is she, I'm not, like, deterring 
from what you said or like saying that it's wrong or anything like that i'm i'm just being playing devil's advocate in that like a lot of people don't read lit fiction because they don't want to think they read the commercial stuff or the romance novels that is formulaic and predictable because they want to escape and not think so this whole book was laced with crap that made me go what or huh or all those horrible horrible thought bubble sounds um that are elicited from from writing and weird shit but i just think like to go on that i also didn't enjoy the ending because i'm telling you right now if my husband left me and my baby you bet your fucking ass i would not move to the goddamn desert to like let them continue being their own selfish little shit yeah, that's what... Like, I'm I sorry, that's like... Also, uh, yeah, that's also why I think I didn't like it. She literally like, threw her phone like, away. Yeah, there's, like, no <laughs> consequences for this Oh, I'm sorry, woman. it was crashed into a McDonald's. I'm yeah. sorry, it was left in a truck that got crashed into a McDonald's by her opioid-addicted cousin. Yeah. This what book is a wild ride, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what a time. It's, like, the characters that she introduced... Again, are they real? Are these real people? Is this why I never want to go to Nevada? Yeah. <laughs> like utah and whatever the other mm-hmm. state she was in mm-hmm. yeah i yeah I, yeah it's like there's no consequences for her like you know like she leaves the baby and the husband and then ultimately like she gets to go off and have like this rendezvous and like yes they have an open marriage but like she just completely abandons her responsibilities right. and says very little and she leaves um, a breast pump on the plane i think those things are expensive yeah and like uh, yeah and she's like I don't know. She's she leaves her job, which she had tenure. Yeah, I, that's. I think now that we're talking about it too, that's what bothers me so much about it is that she's so privileged to be yeah. able to throw all of that away and find herself out in the desert, and then it all just works out for her in the end. Right. I and was I, getting confused about that too. Like, where's the money coming from? Well, that's the thing. I think like the her husband is like dependent on her. I think. Or, like, no, no, no. We least, don't we don't learn what the husband does though. We don't know what the husband does, but there is one point in the book where he like is sending her text about like money and like like No, he's asking her about charges though. He sends her money. Oh, okay. I yeah. misunderstood that. No, he's like cuz her her card was declined and like he got emailed on it. So she's like, "Can you just like help me pay this hotel bill?" And he's like, "Yeah." And then later on in the book when she's staying with like the group of um women slash uh artists slash family with a capital f in the desert and she stays in like their glass bottle made room i don't know um they back like backlog like receipts and like charge her for the room for all the night she stayed and she just emails her husband and is like I need money, like a dollar sign. And I'm like, if that was me, I would be like, bitch, you're on your fucking own. Like, you chose yeah. to leave your job, your yeah. baby, your husband, your stability. Yeah. Like, find a job. Like, she doesn't yeah. work yeah. throughout this whole she's time. Not, yeah, and she she's not likable. And, like, not every character has to be likable. No. And I, I love a good, unlikable character sometimes, but this, I just, I don't know, I wasn't. Well, you achieved your goal, Claire Bay Watkins. I did not like her. Yeah, I actually or you. Hated I'm her. sorry. I don't know where <laughs> where one ends and yeah. one begins. Yeah, I was not a fan. But um, anyway, why don't we come around to your this point? Because I could talk about this. No, nah, I mean, I just was gonna talk about the fact that like 
her intimacies with with the different main men in her life and just like she talks about like her dead boyfriend and and that's where you get like the title of the book Mm -hmm. is like he had a collarbone tattoo that says i love you but i've chosen darkness and like this dead boyfriend was like addicted to drugs and like they had like this crazy unconventional love affair that ended with a solid friendship Mm -hmm. like they parted mutually so i don't know why she like attacked his friend when she found him in the parking lot but um you know spoiler he died in a car crash so like now she's like reminiscing on who he was and like what he could have been for her and all this stuff and just like as a person and there's no like malice towards him mm-hmm. so I, like some sometimes i feel like she conflicts her own thoughts which is human yeah. but and then we learn about like the- theo is the husband not his real name but we learned like nothing about theo yeah. <laughs> um literally they had a wedding at a lilac farm or something yeah cool but i feel like right the fact that you're not talking about your husband at all or like not talking about him shows that you're I, in my opinion was hiding something and like she's trying to justify that she doesn't really know him so she doesn't really love him mm-hmm. or she loves loved him and doesn't so she can't talk in the present but it's like you talk about your ex-boyfriend in the past and like yeah. You know, I, I just feel like she brushes over the husband, and she shouldn't. Yeah. And I think she's doing it to justify the fact that she's in love with Noah, which is, like, the biologist dude that she texts throughout the whole time. And then, like, I think it's hard that Noah left her. Like, mm-hmm. Noah ends it. Because she's always going to be in love with him. It's, like, yeah. when you're the person being dumped, yeah. like, you're not choosing that. So it's, like, half right. the time you still have feelings for that person. You're not the one being, like, I'm moving on. So... I feel like that's why, like, when the husband moves out to the desert and everything, they don't get back together, per se. Because she's never going to move on from the fact that Noah met some chick and went to law school. So, I don't know. I feel like she might as well kept those teeth in her vagina, because she's (laughs) not good at intimacy at all. No. Um, But they fell out, apparently. So. I don't know. I don't know anything about science, so... I don't either. This sounds, like, horrible and awful. Yeah. Um, okay, so what would you rate the book? Oh. All right. So, I have to give two separate ratings. Yes. One for the writing and one for the, like, the, the plot storyline. So, for the writing, I definitely give it, like, a .8 razzle. Mm-hmm. I liked her writing. I enjoyed it a lot. I think she's talented, smart, interesting. She plays with structure and... Mm-hmm. She really can elicit emotions. Yeah. It's very now, literary style. For the <laughs> plot. It's a solid frat, in my opinion. I did enjoy the story. I The only parts that I personally liked were either about her mom, not even the epistolary chapter, chapters or anything like that, but the just parts about her mom or the parts about her dad. Like, I think I just didn't like her. Mm-hmm. So anything about her, I was yeah. just like, I don't care about you. You're a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. So, what yeah. did you rate it? I rated it similarly. I gave it one quarter razzle, three-fourths frat. Um, and it's only not 100% frat because of the writing style. Like, the writing saved it a little bit. And I was so interested in the way that she played with structure um, and the autobiographical fiction element that I'm not going to give it a total frat. But I don't know. And, like, 
maybe if I picked it up at a different time in my life, I would appreciate it more or like it more. I mean, we both, I feel like, read it very fast, but this is a Riverhead book, and I feel like I normally love everything by Riverhead, and this is kind of, it missed the mark for me, which is rare. I feel like Riverhead just published it because it's a lit fiction book and it's different. You were saying that there were reviews about how she, like, flipped the script and all this stuff, about, like, a woman leaving her family, and it's like, no, women leave families all the time. Postpartum is real. Um, And I just think that, like, they wanted to be edgy with her, and she's edgy. She's freaking weird. Um, Lives a very wild lifestyle. If this is really about her, her character, whatever, I feel like I can't differentiate the two at this point. But, yeah, um, another Google rabbit hole for another day. Yes. But I just feel like they're trying too hard with this one. And I I just feel like it was hyped up and and it just kind of fell short for me. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, this is her third novel, um... And her previous novel did really well at Riverhead. And I haven't read it yet, but it's called Cold Fame Citrus. And it sounds like something I'd actually like. It's like dystopian fiction, which I gravitate towards. Um, so maybe they weren't crazy about this book either, but like she was already a client. And they just were like, well, this is what she brought in. Mm-hmm. And maybe not. But um, yeah, it was just kind of so-so for me. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I can't even figure out a full thought on it at yeah. this point anymore. But... It'll go, maybe I'll read that other book, it'll go on my TBR, but right now I have other ones on my TBR that are higher up, Mm -hmm. and um, with that, I want to talk about our TBR for the winter holidays, because I at least have a week off, which is amazing in my world, Um, unheard of, but um, so we have this little theme that we came up with, so we're gonna be feeling, we're feeling chunky, (laughs) and not like I ate too much pie chunky. Like, um, so the winter holidays are for bookworms, which means coziness in big old books that cannot lie. Mm-hmm. And our TBR for the holiday break has a little theme that goes like this. So a chunky sweater or a chunky soup. What books we're going to be reading and what we're reading them with. Either cozied up with a chunky sweater for snuggles or sipping on, sip. I don't know, do sip soup. Sipping yeah, on chunky, chunky soup. soup. I guess you can't sip chunky soup. Slurping down chunky <laughs> soup for a savory warmth. Mm-hmm. So do you want to kind of go first about what sure. you'll be reading? Yes. Um, I will say I'm not normally a fan of the chunky reads like you are, but um, I think for this time of year especially, I love a good series that I can get into. So maybe I'll read some more Twilight. Um, but I definitely recommend... Um, Harry Potter's two through four, um, because those two are four. the not <laughs> those one. Are, no, <laughs> two through four are the best books and movies in my opinion. Third one changed the, my life. Yes, the third one I agree is the best one, but I think like that whole arc two to four is like the best part of the series. Yeah, she really gets so, a roof. Yeah, so I like that, think that's like a good chunk that you could read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might do that myself. Um, otherwise, for me, I have been wanting to read The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver for years. Mm-hmm. And I found it in a little free library last year. And it's just been staring at me on my bookshelf like, why aren't you reading me? Um, and I've heard really good things about it from my sister and my roommate. Um, and that one's pretty thick. So I may take that one home with me to read while I've got a bit of time. Um, and or another Stephen King book. Because um, I bought 
Misery on thrift books. Oh, the movie and, with Kathy Bates. Yeah, and so um, I might read that. So those are both a little chunkier, and um, I'm team chunky sweater. Although I am like chunky sweatshirt. <laughs> I just like curl up with a sweatshirt and cocoa or tea and read mm-hmm. that way. So that's what I would recommend. That's what I'll be doing. Yeah. Um. Let me know when the King Solomon book comes out because uh, I, I read one of her other books like. I forget the name of it. I just know it was set in, like, New Jersey. And, um, <clears throat> I hated it. <laughs> so. Oh, no. And, like, I heard nothing but good things about her. So I was yeah. like, this bitch is so underwhelming. <laughs> but. Maybe this will be uh, Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, so. I never heard of her before because I'm ignoramus over here. But no. we'll see. And then I agree. I like Coco. It just. Chunky Coco didn't sound appealing when I was coming <laughs> up with the theme. So. Coco with chunky marshmallows. No, I like to wait until they're nice and mushy. But anyway. Okay, anyway. Uh, but I personally do like chunky sweaters. Um, I get a lot from the thrift store. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have one that's like, my boyfriend calls the Bill Cosby sweater, which is, <laughs> no. it looks like something Bill Cosby would wear. Um, not that we condone Bill Cosby in this podcast. We do not. But um. So what I will be wa- reading with my chunky sweater is Les, Les Miserables. Am I saying that right? Am I mm-hmm. it? By Victor Hugo. And uh, I haven't read it. I've seen one of the movies. Which one? The newest one, the probably, with one. Anne Hathaway. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just feel like I need to read this. Like, I haven't read that much French literature. I so I, I think I want to start diving into that more. But, yeah, I definitely, that's one I'm all for. I'm a proponent of reading big, thick, fat books. I love it, especially when I have, like, nowhere to go and nowhere to be and no job to report to, which is very rare for me. Yeah, so, like, once a year. <laughs> Literally, this is my one shot and then I'm out <laughs> for the rest of the year. But um, that will be my Chunky Sweater book. And then... With Chunky Soup, which I, I love, uh, Chikorina, which is, like, my favorite, which is, like, a random soup, but, um, <laughs> I will be Attempting Demons by Dostoevsky. I read half of it in college What's it for about? a class. <clears throat> I could not tell you. Okay. Uh, like, I read half of it, and I forget all of it, so I'm gonna have to restart it. There's two parts in it, but I like Dostoevsky. I read Crimes and Punishment, and, uh, I haven't read I've read some other of his shit, and I just, I enjoy it. So, um, if I do a soup day wearing a sweater, like a duo, I will be reading the third installment of my three-part series of the Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, biographies. I love reading about her. I read actually one and three, which are, like, her early years and then her later years after FDR kicked the bucket. Um, I've just been ignoring the second one because it's, like, all about FDR years, and I'm like... She was her own woman, overshowered, shadowed by this man. Which, I mean, whatever, you can have opinions on him and whatever. But I just, like, avoided it for so long. I'm like, it's been staring at me. And I just love Eleanor, so maybe I'll... That's Leslie Nope. Oh. Like, mindset. (laughs) I feel like that's what Leslie Nope would say. Well, I am somewhat Leslie Nope, minus all the obsessive shit with Joe Biden. But, yeah, um, that did not age well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it's funny, because now it he's is. president, yeah. but I also like how she compared her and, um, oh god, Ben mm-hmm. with Barack and Michelle, mm-hmm. and how he's like, wait, am I Michelle? <laughs> yeah, I know. So. I'm like, yes, woman, hear you roar, I'm all for it, but, yes. oh no, I'm very excited. You're going back 
You're leaving for Texas. Yes, I'm leaving for Texas on Monday night. Monday so. night? That's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. It'll be my mom and my sister. We haven't all been together in like a year. Mm-hmm. So we, we went to my sister's graduation in June, but that was like quick trip in and out, and then she was moving, and so we'll have like five days where it's just us to hang out, and so we're so excited. Oh, yeah, that's so nice. I am so excited. I am. Um, um, I'm not leaving until the last minute. Like, I'm literally going home on the 23rd. Because on 24th, my family, my extended family, mm-hmm. like, cousins of cousins and cousins and aunts and aunts of mm-hmm. uncles and whatever, they all get together in one roof. And, you know, not much drinking. I think we get, I think my grandfather is the reason it's banned. Um, oh, no. Or, like, not condoned. Um, yeah, but he's mind. like 85, so whatever. Do you, you do life. you? Yeah. Um, but it's a bunch of Italians just eating a bunch of pasta and talking over each other, and it gets really warm. And Santa comes nice every year and gives out the gifts. And then uh, it'll just be me and my mom at her house. I don't know if my brother's coming. He lives with my dad currently, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, but it'll be nice being home with my mom. Um, just because I don't get to see her as much now that I've moved out yeah. and all that jazz, which, I mean, is every adulthood type thing, but I'm yes. very close with my mom, so yeah. I get it, but okay. yeah, I think, I think talking about my mommy issues is a good way to end <laughs> this. Okay, I also think before we wrap up, honorable mention for Chunky Sweater Rory Gilmore in the first episode, <gasps> that white sweater I she wear wears. it all the time. I know, you have a sweater like that. I purposely I got a sweater like that. Like, It's iconic. a fisherman's sweater. It's amazing. It's, I think it's her best outfit. <laughs> I got it from that. Like, I originally learned about it from Rory Gilmore, and then I also, like, was inspired by Joey from Dawson's Creek, mm-hmm. who also wore big sweaters in, like, the beginning. Um, It's a very late 90s look. Yes. It's but amazing. I'll wear it with, like, um, a black skirt and, like, mm-hmm. tights and, like, some docks. Highly recommend. It's yes. super cozy. I get so many compliments on it, even mm-hmm. though it's a men's sweater, and I got it too large for me, but I still am, I'm, I'm okay being yeah. swallowed up in it. Um, oh. <laughs> R.A.P. Season 1, Marie Gilmer. Ugh, our angel. I know. She's Rest just, in peace. Bitch went downhill after college. I know. She really did. Uh, That's a discussion for another time. I know. But be sure to watch the Christmas episodes. Yes. Oh, I need to do that. Those are so good. Um, Santa prefers gum. So, (laughs) (laughs) but I think with that, we can kind of uh, wrap up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Be sure to follow more of our bookish antics on our bookstagrams at there's ink on my hands and grapes underscore of underscore ash um, and share razzle frat with friends lovers enemies um, share this gem of a pod and feel free to leave a review or comment in apple podcasts come for the books and stay for the coffee fueled conversation but for now we shall bid you adieu that's razzle frat